Welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code, which is a personal, self-expressive journey. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. It's Roy Red, four-time best-selling author and your host of this show, The Success Code. And today we have a guy who's very interesting to me. I'm looking at his work, trying to figure out how I can monetize his brain. Steve Warner, he helps you scale your business through powerful presentations and profitable live events. He helps you build your tribe and, as us entrepreneurs know and athletes know, at building your tribe and it takes a tribe to make anyone successful. So, Steve, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Roy, thanks so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, first, I just wanted to start. I kind of wanted to just get your story and tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I love live events. I love people. Um, I've been in the event space for about 15 years. Um, I started off running events for Marriott and Four Seasons. I was headhunted by Vail Corporation, the big ski resort, to come out and run their uh, C-suite events. So all their CEO level events, anything from 20 people all the way up to 1,000. And then in 2014, I went out on my own, started holding my own events uh, to build my agency. I knew I wanted to affect the world. I knew I wanted to be out there doing stuff. I knew I wanted to be on stage speaking. So I thought the easiest way to do that was to build my own events. Uh, started in 2014. Uh, the very first event completely crashed and burned um, because I thought holding the events was the easy part, but really it was marketing and filling the events that you have to do first, which I didn't, I didn't know that part of it because I never had to do that for my job. I just, I just did that too. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a tough one, right? So um, crashed and burned on my first one, got involved with Dan Kennedy and then Frank Kern. Um, I was involved with Brian Dice for a little bit before coming over to ClickFunnels. Um, so I've, I've trained under everybody. Um, really, really love learning. Uh, now I've held a total of 48 events. 47 of them have been profitable. That first one was not. Um, but that's, that's kind of my story. Uh, about a year ago, I transitioned out of just holding my own events to actually helping people hold their own events. I was approached by so many people. Um, I kind of decided to make that shift, um, which was, it was a little bit of a challenge for me. Um, I'm always worried about working with people because I know I'm going to put in the work. I know I'm going to do what's necessary, mm -hmm. but taking on clients, like, I don't know, I want to sleep well at night. I want to make sure that they can get the results, work. <laughs> but, uh, I've been, I've been pretty picky about the people that I've taken on. Um, but I've gotten all of them results. I just got back uh, yesterday from helping a client hold his first event. Uh, we put 42 people in the room, um, ended up doing just under $100,000, $98,000 in sales um, over a two-day event. Uh, total event cost for him was about 3500 mm -hmm. So great ROI. Um, he had a lot of fun. And like seeing his transformation, because he had a really good tribe. He had, he had a really good product. Um, he was really, really excited and really nervous, uh, but did a really good job and absolutely crushed it and got the results. So, man, that's amazing, man. Um, I actually did an event with my friend BJ and like one person showed up. 
we had all these people who said they were going to actually come and we actually thought that the room wasn't going to be big enough and then like three people actually ended up showing up and i'm like what do we do wrong but um i heard you were talking about frank kern ryan dice and um i actually studied under frank kern i bought a lot of his stuff and he's helped me with his uh with his uh hierarchy of focus and i actually basically stole that and i teach that to a lot of my athletes and a lot of my coaching clients um how did you uh get into working you know with those guys and tell us a little bit more about you know you know exactly how that transition happened yeah sure so um that first event that i held right mm -hmm. i spent twenty five thousand dollars in ads um actually about 24 um, it was all the money that I'd saved up over about three years uh, when I knew I decided I wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, I blew through it all in like four months in ads. Because I thought, you know, you're just going to run some ads, people show up. This was, uh, this was 2014, so Facebook ads weren't, like they were easier to run than they are now. And, um, but nobody showed up. So I was left with about, I had a little bit less than $5,000 to my name. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine, said, you know, hey, I know that I know that you can do this. I want to help you be successful. Um, I have a utility room. So it wasn't quite a bedroom. It was uh, it was an eight by eight utility room. And she said, you can move in, uh, figure it out. And I went to the library and um, I found somehow I found this course by Dan Kennedy. I have no idea how this was at the library. Somebody must have donated it um, because I mean, it was a two thousand dollar course that like, if you know, Dan Kennedy, he was the godfather to everybody back in the day. Uh, but it was a course called butts and seats, which was all about filling live events. And I was like, I studied it and studied it. And I read some stuff on forums and like, I didn't have the money to pay for coaching or for any of that. So I just dove in and I learned all the, that I could. And it was basically about how to, you don't, the secret is everybody tries to drive cold traffic to an event page to get people to register, mm -hmm. your, your registration rates are gonna be pretty low. The mm -hmm. second thing that people do, and I'm guessing Roy, this might've been the thing in your case, mm -hmm. um, you either do it, an event for free or you do it for under 100 bucks. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just not enough. People aren't gonna show up. Um, it would be better to charge $500 and have 10 people choose to come to the event because those people have spent $500 they have jumped on a plane. They have done something to, to say, that's me. They've raised their hand and they've committed to come to this event. So what I did to run my second event, I ran it for dentists. And what I did was I went and I got all the dental journals that I could at the library. And I looked at all the headlines and all the topics that dentists were interested in. And the second thing that I did was I looked at the people who had authored those articles and I reached out to them. Um, I built a URL. I built a simple web page that talked about this dental conference and it was just a landing page. Right. Yeah. And I reached out to them and I said, Hey, I'm holding this event. Would you like to speak? And they, not all of them said yes, but I got, I got eight speakers. I got their bios. I got their headshots. I put them all on the web page. Um, and it, man, that first web page, I have to tell you, it was not a work of art, <laughs> um, but it, it was good enough. It wasn't, it, it was a learning curve for sure. Um, but I got that first webpage up with them on there. 
and it was a simple registration and I charged, I put, put the price as $9.97, but I had a discount code to $4.97. I made sure everybody got the discount code. Now the next thing that I did, this is, uh, this is like, people think still that you're just gonna throw up a web page and you're gonna have people come. Uh -huh. What I did, I started running, I took the $5,000 that I had and I said, okay, I've got $2,000 in ads that I can run. I started running ads not to the event, but to a webinar that was talking about how to get more dental business. Uh -huh. And I spent all that money on the webinar. And I, at the time, webinars did a little bit better than they do now. Um, I was able to put about a thousand people, about a thousand people registered Ooh. and about 600 showed up. So it, this was a different time and place for sure. Um, people got on the webinar and I sold them the event on the webinar. Now that's not the only thing that I did. I also took everybody who registered for that webinar, I got their mailing address, and I sent them a four-step direct mail campaign. This is straight out of Dan Kennedy, old school. Old school mail. I got more than half of my registration. So I sold out that conference. It was for 100 people. I sold it out. I actually sold 110 because I was like, they say 10% won't show. We had actually 98 people in the room. So, uh, the, I got about half the registrations from the direct mail campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, so the direct mail campaign cost me about 2,500 bucks. Um, what I did was I took the registration money that came in from the webinar sales and I put that into direct mail, followed up with them. And I also like my girlfriend at the time thought I was nuts, but I printed out flyers, really nice looking heavyweight flyers that were headline driven, like you understand headlines because you study Frank Kern. Anyone not watching this, a headline is what the outcome is for the people who are reading the flyer or attending the event, right? It's not about you, it's not about how great you are, it's not about how great the speakers are, it's about the outcome. So I printed up these flyers and I went to, so this event was in Las Vegas. I went to every dental office in Las Vegas. I went to every dental office in Phoenix. I went to every dental office that I could find in LA. We did this over like a four day weekend and like it was, it, my girlfriend at the time thought I was nuts. She was like, this is crazy. But I went into the dental office and the real easy thing that you do is you just say, Hey, I'm holding a, a private event and it's on how to get five to 10 extra clients per week. And at the time it was through digital marketing because it was every, Facebook ads were new. Right. So we yeah. focused on Facebook ads. Um, and I had the really nice flyer and I said, hey, right now there are just a couple seats left, but I wanna offer you guys a discount. I'm here in town speaking, which I was, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I just thought I'd drop by. And that got their attention enough. What I also did was I said, hey, if, if somebody was like, the key with the dental office, if you're doing something for dentists or for chiropractors is to get the office managers buying. Because the dentist isn't the one who makes the decision. They're in the back. They're doing all the, the high gluten stuff. The, the office manager is the one who makes the decision. So I got to know them like just for like 30 seconds, right? And I got to talk to them a little bit and said, hey, I handpicked these speakers. I know they're really good. I got their buy-in. That got them to come to the event. So at the end of the day, I got about... I would say I got about 25 signups from flyering, from going around to those cities and flyering. Um, I probably got about 30 to 40 
through the webinar and another 30 or 40 through the direct mail pieces. Um, I did not sell anything at that event because I didn't know to sell. I just thought you made money from events because that's what the world that I came from. Yeah. Um, Dan Kennedy talked a little bit about it, but I was really, it was a different time in my life. I was really like, what's anyone going to buy for me? Like, I'm not a coach. I don't know this stuff. That, so the story at the end of this conference, I, I made just under $10,000 and made about 9,800 bucks mm. when it was all said and done. And I thought I was like, Whoo! Yeah, still, hey, I'm <laughs> I made some money. Right. Um, but I, so I took some of that money and I went to a Dan Kennedy conference and Dan was doing a round table. If you know, Dan, he's a grumpy old man. Um, think bad grandpa, but a marketing version. And, uh, he's sitting at a table and I tell my story and I'm real excited. And he just starts shaking his head. And he goes, you're an idiot. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you got to sell something. You've got to speak and you've got to sell. And I was like, I don't have anything to sell. He's like, I have a whole table over there. I'll give you 50% of anything you sell. So the next event, we did dental again. Same thing. I got a little bit better at filling it. Um, I was able to fill it in about six weeks. And I sold a Dan Kennedy product called Magnetic Marketing. Um, and I took 50% of it. I did that for two or three events. Um, I started doing chiropractors and med spas. Same, same formula, just with different verticals. Um, but then I started speaking. And I started selling things. I got involved with uh, Jay Abraham a little bit. And I started selling VIP days where I would fly to their office and I would spend two or three days with them, learn their business and give them a customized plan. Yeah. Keyword there being customized because they're going to buy. It's a plan that's a special for them, right? This plan, I looked at your business. This is what your business needs. Um, I started selling those. And then I started, I started speaking more and more at my events so over about the five-year period that this happened, by about year three, I was the main speaker. I would bring in one other speaker. And then by the end of that event, I'm the authority by far. And I had been. I worked really, really hard. Um, I like when I Dan, – Dan talks about this in all of his stuff. But like if I'm doing a med spa event, I would read med spa magazines till I like dreamt about med spas. Yeah. Because then I can speak their language. I can talk to them. Same thing goes for holistic health or yoga because I did those events. Dentists, like all of it. Um, until I really knew that market. And after you do three or four events, you've got testimonials that back you up. You've spoken about it a bunch. So that was, that was kind of my path over the last five years until, until about a little over a year ago. I decided, you know, I really, like so many people had asked me and I decided to take on one client, which then led to five clients, which now has been 11 clients that have helped hold their own events um, in their space, which has been really successful and really fun. Um, I work with them doing speaker coaching because a lot of people know their thing, but that's not how you hold an event. That's not how you speak at an event. You have to speak in a very specific way. Man, that's really cool. Um, my audience is really going to love this because I... I have two programs. I have a six-figure trainer program where I just help trainers build their business up. And I teach them that they need to get on stages. They need to be speaking because the positioning of speaking, for example, I'm, I'm speaking in Manila. It's a little marketing conference. I go speak on marketing. And then at the end, I say, I have this product that goes deeper. And everybody in there who can afford it will buy the product. 
And it's just, just cause I'm up there doing something that they're so terrified of doing, they see me as the authority. They see me as the guy they need to work with. And I think it's extremely awesome to say, okay, maybe if I can't get on stages or if I'm not going to start a speaker business, I can be the speaker by bringing the audience to me, opening my uh, own conference up, doing my own events uh, like mm -hmm. you did. And, you know, like we talk about on the show all the time is the kind of looking at your business, business in three businesses, your, your before unit, your during unit and your after unit, like Joe Polis talks about, and you just gave thousands of value on how to bring leads in um, and the before unit part. So talking about the during unit, kind of how did, what do you focus on when you're actually running the actual events? Sure. So the biggest mistake that people make running their event is that they, 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 I call it vomiting. Like they just like dump all this information on people. Yeah. And that is not what gets people to buy your product. Now, some people think a lot of newer speakers, the first couple times they speak or the first time they hold their event, they're so focused on providing value that they miss the point that in a, let's say a 12 or 15 hour span, you're, if you give them too much information, they're going to fall asleep. Their brain's not going to be able to absorb it. And even though they might come back with a notebook that's half an inch thick, full of notes, nobody implements because nobody can remember any of it. Yeah. And it's just like you said, it is, you want them to buy your product because your product allows them to work with you over a six or eight week or 12 week period. They work at their own pace. Most products nowadays, most courses come with a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time or at least group coaching so that they can have a support group to help them move through the product and get the result. That is going to get somebody a much better result than coming to a two-day conference. They leave the conference super excited, but then they have no idea what to do and they fall on their face. Yeah. Instead, it is much better at an event, whether it is your own event that you're running that is a two-day event, or whether you are speaking on stage, you want to, there's a story arc that you take people through. You take them from where they are right now, and they have a generalized vision that they want to go over here, right? They want to go to where you are. You want to first open that gap and clarify what your life and your business looks like right now. What this does is creates a very clear gap. Then you take them on the story arc of how you went from where they are mm -hmm. to where you are through stories. Usually it's three, sometimes four stories that have all the stories have the same piece. 50 to 60% of it is the pain and the suffering and the dreaming of where they want to go. 10% is an epiphany that, oh man, like that light bulb went on over their head and they were like, I need to do this piece. So when you're telling this, if you go back to my story about events, mine was I fell flat on my face, right? I spent $25,000. I was crushed. I had to move into my friend's house. I found a Dan Kennedy product. That's the epiphany, right? And that was my epiphany. I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much in here. Then I started implementing. So then 30% is the implementation, what I did. And then a little bit, the very end of that piece is, look at where I am now. My hands are up and I'm excited. But the thing is that that opens up a new gap. So the new gap in my story was, well, now I'm holding an event, but I need to sell something, right? And that leads into the next story. 
So if you're on stage for 90 minutes, 30%, thir I'm sorry, 30 minutes should be your pitch. That leaves you 60 minutes to do your aha moments. You should be able to get three stories in there that are just like that. Pain, suffering, epiphany. I got here, now what's next? You're leading people through the story. It's keeping them engaged. It's helping them build emotional attachment and know, like, and trust you. And then you can sell them. If you just dump knowledge on them, they're going to fall asleep. They're going to, you've seen this. I've seen people, this is the other thing. This is like a, a side note. If you're doing a PowerPoint presentation, you should have no more than eight words on a slide. But people put, because it's too dense. You don't want people paying attention to the slide and reading the slide. You want people paying attention to you. Your slides should be a supporting piece, not the main attraction. Usually you want a picture and two or three words, and then you want to tell the story behind the slide. You want the, story, you want the slides to be moving and just supporting your story. But instead, you see people with these super dense slides, you know, six bullets with two sentences per bullet. People are falling, like that causes people to fall asleep. It's too much. Okay. You want to keep them engaged. Think about making a movie. That's what you're doing. You're, you're making a movie with you as the main attraction. So that's kind of the how to give a great presentation, whether you are doing it for to speak on somebody else's stage. If you don't have a huge list, if you have a list of 500 people, having your own event is going to be a little bit of a challenge. Instead, get on other people's stages. And the way you do that is build that little thing that I just talked about, build that presentation, build a two-sentence catchy catchphrase, catchy catchphrase, powerful catchphrase, and send it to event organizers that are in your local town. It doesn't matter if you're in front of 10 or 20 people. If you're in front of 20 people, you will get one or two people that will give you business out of that. Yeah. That works better than anything you can do online. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. I took a few things out of that. Okay, because a lot of times my slides can be dense. So there you go. You just upped my game. Um, kind of a couple things I caught on to. It seems like, you know, the experience I was having as you were explaining to me best practices is one of the reasons we want to give so much value is because maybe we're kind of insecure that someone wouldn't pay us as much as we're going to charge because I know I charge 2,000 programs, 10,000 coaching programs. We yeah. don't think they're going to pay that unless we give all this value. They're not going to believe I know what I'm doing unless we're going to give all this ton of value. So here's my, my answer to that. You need to, if you get them to open their mind and be excited about what you're doing, that's when they decide to pay. So you might've heard this before. Emotion is what causes people to buy logic is what they back up the emotion with. So think about this in your own life. Um, if you're a guy, you may have bought a fancy car and you bought the car because you were excited about it, right? You were like, man, a car is sweet. But then you start backing it up with all the logic. If you're honest with yourself and you can really remember, you, you start to back it up with the logic behind what is, what is your emotion so that you can support it. The same thing is true on stage. And here's the thing. If you're telling those stories, think about the story that I told at the beginning of this. Mm -hmm. I gave value in there. There were value pieces that, that you probably didn't know, but the story was entertaining and it grabbed your attention. Mm -hmm. That's all your story has to do. If 
the thing is when you th you're exactly right the reason that we over teach is because we want to provide value but our knowledge level let's say our knowledge level is at a nine yeah most people listening to us their knowledge level is at a two when you come in at a nine then think about this think about this in your own life like You've probably had a sales experience with it where the salesman just was like, bleh, <laughs> yeah. and dumped a whole bunch on you and you're like, I have no idea what this guy is saying. And you've checked out and you're bored and you're thinking about everything else while he's talking. That's what people are doing when you are on stage going, bleh. if you want to do that, wait till after you're done talking because people will come up and talk to you. Then you can give them a little bit, a little bit. I mean, you've probably heard this before, right? Like whoever talks the most in a sales conversation loses. Facts. Right? Yes. So if somebody comes up and talks to you, listen to them, get them talking, and then give them a really powerful bleh, and then shut up again and let them keep talking. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you will do this the first time you give a talk unless you just practice, practice, practice. But just realize that the more information you give the more you are going down in altitude and the more people are checking out yeah. if you tell good stories and you your stories have things that people will use in them yeah people will pay attention and they will buy from you and that's awesome um yeah that's the emotion part is true and a, a lot of times i struggle with that um, because I can focus and take in so much information. So I do want that information. But Dan talks about it all the time. Your market isn't like you. Um, so right. in those stories and in the six figure uh, speaker course, guys, for those of you who got it, and for those who haven't got it, we have a system we call the hero's journey, breaking down how to tell that story um, just like Steve did. And so you can create that emotion and Steve, you also talked about using those stories and kind of creating a, a frame, framework kind of a from here to there thing. Uh, I'm going to use Frank Kern's uh, ideas. He calls it escape and arrival. And I loved that guy because he simplifies it so much because complexity is the killer to action. That's one of the reasons why uh, we make things so difficult. And us entrepreneurs who are dumb end up making a lot of money because we're we keep things simple and keep it simple and sweet. But what is your process from going from sad face to happy face when you're looking at a market, especially a market that you didn't know about, maybe dentistry, maybe, I don't know if you were in it at all, but a market that you didn't know about prior to. Sure. So if you're talking about like how I, I do it, like when I decided I wanted to start doing med spas, because mm -hmm. I had done... I had done two, two or three dental events. And I was like, okay, I got to find another event to run. Mm -hmm. And I looked at med spas. I literally just went and looked at their trade magazines and figured out what they were. Um, and I looked at like, I, I reached out, I interviewed some people. Um, this, is, this is like the number one thing that will make you successful in any kind of thing like this is getting on the phone with people. People are scared to death to pick up the phone. Yeah. Um, but if you pick up the phone and you call somebody, if you're entering a new market that you don't know, pick up the phone, offer to take somebody to lunch, go network. If you go to 
a BNI meeting or a Rotary Club or anything in your town. Find some kind of meetup, some kind of association for whatever the market is. Go meet people. Like it's it is kind of scary, whatever. Like, but go do it. Take somebody to dinner. Take somebody to lunch. Get some coffee. There in every market, people love like think about it in your market, Roy, or if you're whatever you do, whatever you're listening, whatever the listeners, whatever you do, you love it when people ask you about how you do your job. That's facts. That's so true. Right? Yeah. Like if you talk to a, a med spa owner and you're like, I just want to know about your business. Like I'm a marketing guy. I'll tell you what I know about marketing, but I would love to hear about your business and your struggles and you let them talk. People love it when you let them talk. And especially if you're buying them lunch, don't be cheap. Often say, Hey, I would love to take you to lunch. What's your favorite restaurant? I don't care if it costs 200 bucks. Like that is money. That is gold. Yeah. Um, take them to lunch learn everything you can record it. I mean, tell them, be like, Hey, I'm just going to record this. Um, just so I have the notes. I hope that's okay. No one's ever going to give you a hard time. Like it's a friendly conversation. That's all you have to say. Uh, so that's, that's how I broke into new markets. Um, after I had done that, so I did dental, then I did med spa, then I did plastic surgery, then I did yoga and then I did holistic health. Um, by the time I got there, to holistic health, I was so comfortable doing this stuff that it was fun. Mm -hmm. The first couple times, like it's your, your comfort zone, right? Your comfort right. zone's here and it, you're, it's kind of tight and then you get outside of it. But then a funny thing happens, your comfort zone expands and then you get outside of it and then it expands again. And just the more you get outside of your comfort zone, the more it expands to meet you and the faster your business will grow. Man, that's clutch. Um, uh, the two biggest levers in life is people and other people's money. And um, it took me literally years to figure out I had to get on the phone. Uh, I remember when I first started being a speaker, I would call, I mean, I would email event planners and they would take days to email me back and I couldn't get speeches. And then next thing you know, all I would do is say, let's get on the phone right now. And when I got on the phone and talked to them, then I ran them through um, kind of these three questions that I teach people when um, I teach them how to sell, like in the six figure trainer is, okay, um, uh, what are you, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? And then they'll tell you, well, I want this, this, and this. Okay. Well, how is that working? They'll tell you all of their problems. And then what are you looking to do? Solve them. <laughs> okay, cool. I have this speech that does that. <laughs> oh, really? And then they, and then they have to get what you're selling, whatever that is, a, if that's speaking, if that's filling up your rooms and whatever business that is, uh, like Steve said, have a conversation with them. They love talking about it. They love this uh, field. That's why they got into it and they wouldn't mind talking about it. That's, I mean, Roy, you just solved like 90% of the problems out there. Get on the phone and do exactly what you said. Well, how's that? What are you, what are you looking to do? Have, how's that going for you? Having a conversation about them, you know, um, I don't know if you follow Dan Sullivan. You probably yep. got with him through Frank and all them, but he has a a question, uh, the Dan Sullivan question. Oh my gosh! I started asking this question on my on my free coaching calls, and I just started closing everyone. That's how I closed my first it's, uh, NBA. It's on my wall. It's it's ridiculous, and um, I'm not even going to share it because. <laughs> If you guys want to know that question, go get Dan Sullivan's book, The Dan Sullivan Question. Um, well worth reading. 
it's it's ridiculous. All right, we're getting towards the end here. I kind of just wanted to get your perspective on some stuff. Our kind of our biggest question here is what does success mean to you? I know it means different things to everyone. Um, what does it mean to you? What is your perspective on what success means? Sure. Um, my success means that I am helping people find their success, find like, like get to do what they want to do in their life, grow their business, grow their client base, grow their income. Um, through doing that, I grow my own income. Um, I have a pretty powerful saying and it's, you know, if I don't make you money, then I don't deserve yours. Um, I offer a money back guarantee on everything I do, uh, because I want to make sure that people get results, right? It puts me in the hot seat a little bit. Um, it also forces me to be kind of picky about who I work with. Um, but I, my goal, um, I'm a quality over quantity person. So if you've read a thousand true fans, if you know what that, what I'm talking about with that, it's a, it's a saying that if you have a thousand true fans that like really know, like, and trust you, that's all you need to do a million dollars a year. Um, I pretty firmly believe that uh, I give away 90% of what I do for free. I have a few low ticket, like under hundred dollars. And then I just have high ticket, which is 25 K and up. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's pretty much how I do things. Um, I speak on stages, I get in front of people and I make sure that the people that I can help are the right people for me. And that's cool, man. Um, kind of my purpose in a sentence is to inspire and instruct a billion people to live better lives and improve their business. And you're, you could help people who want to do that, do that. And you're also doing that in your work. Um, what's something you've, you've kind of talked about this already, but what's something you failed at where it was just like, gosh, like I messed that up. Oh man, I've messed up everything. Uh, the first, okay. The very first email that I sent out, if you, if you're scared like to email, to call somebody to do any of that stuff, first email that I sent out, I used a, uh, I used an email autoresponder that I thought had a spell checker. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I can't spell very well at all. I'm a phonetic speller. I'm dyslexic. Like that, that like, so I wrote this email and I was like, well, cool. Here it goes. Clink. I bought a list. Um, I did a solo ad list, uh, for a hundred thousand dentists. And I sent them an email that had 27 misspelled words. Um, I got like, I got flagged. I actually got kicked off the email autoresponder because so many people thought it was spam and trash. I had people write me emails that I wish I still, I wish I had some of them. I wish I had a screenshot because it was horrible. Um, I will, I thought it, I was like, I pressed send. I went to bed and I was like, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have some sales. It's going to be awesome. Nope. Um, that was, this is part of that very first event where I crashed and burned, but like, I mean, that list cost me $5,000 um, and, and it, I burned the whole thing pretty much. I got a few that I, I reached out to after that, but that was, so that was a huge mistake. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry you went through that, but I'm happy you're saying this because I have this argument with people all the time, especially in my coaching group. They want to get things so perfect. I'm a terrible speller. My first book has nine misspellings in it. And my dad is always like, hey, you gonna fix those misspellings. And I'm like, you know what? No, because <laughs> just it's, I just want to prove to people that it's not about perfection. You just got to put stuff out there. It's about, it's about the, 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 um, the art, the, whatever it is you're creating. I remember Jim Rohn used to say, 
a guy with a guy who looks for misspellings is just like a guy who looks through a window and beyond the window is a beautiful scenery, but he sees that the window has a little bit of specks of dirt on it. He doesn't see the beautiful view. And so I'm so glad you said that. When I spoke at Stanford, here I am at Stanford Medicine, all these people, I thought I rocked the stage, standing ovation. I said, okay, text the word unnoticed to 55222 if you want to get my books for free. And I spelled the word unnoticed wrong. And like a couple people kind of came up to me and I was, I made sure I saved that just to show it to my clients who think everything needs to be perfect. Like, look, you're not going to mess up as bad as I did in this situation. And I still made it through. I still got sales. I still do what I need to do. I mean, if anything, it makes people like you're, you'll always have some people who are haters, right? They're perfectionists. And that to be a hundred percent honest has way more to do with them than it has to do with you. They're looking to be judgmental. Maybe they had somebody beat them up and tell them they had to be perfect. But everyone else is like, you say, if anyone gives me crap ever, I'm like, hey, did you, have you ever sent an email with a misspelled word? Um, I actually, I'm reaching out. This is embarrassing, but I'll share it because it's in the vein of it. I'm reaching out to speakers in Houston um, for some speaking stuff. I sent out 40 emails last week and I misspelled Houston. Wow. Uh, my spell checker didn't catch it and I actually have, uh, I have my assistant look over everything she caught it but didn't tell me in time she looked at it so I sent it to her and I was like hey I'm going to send this out uh, just look over it I saw that she had read it I thought it must be good I hit send went to bed I woke up the next morning to a, a message from her she was like misspelled Houston and I was like what that's bad <laughs> And I had, I had four people who reached out and they were like, uh, you might want to spell the city that you're speaking at correctly. And I was like, my, this is my response to him. I said, Hey, I am really sorry. Um, I was typing this and I fat fingered it and hit the wrong button. Um, definitely not intentional, but my spell checker didn't catch it. And I was tired because I've been working like crazy. I'm sh- this is the, this is the line. I'm sure you've been tired at some point in your life and hit the wrong letter. And you know, like, Everybody can, if any, if anyone wants to tell me they didn't misspell something in their life, good luck. Like, I don't believe you. How you um, communicate is so clutch. And what you just said helped me. I, I, I get angry. I just be like, and so what? Well, then <laughs> I get so defensive. <laughs> I mean, we, it's our natural thing to get defensive and be upset. But I've just, I've had so many people, I've gotten off stage. It's the same thing, like standing ovation. And then you have that one guy. It wants to come up to you and be like, well, in my experience, that didn't work. And I said, cool, that's your experience, man. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. My experience was different. I'm really sorry that you had a bad experience. I'm going to go deal with the people over here that want what I have to offer. Um, I, like, this analogy was shared at a church, but I think it's, it's relevant here. So it's, if God is up there, right? Yeah. And he's looking down. Who are the easiest people? Who are the people that he's going to save? It's people that are running towards him that want what he has. Um, another way that I heard this story was uh, if people, if, there, if there's a flood, right? And all these people go up on the, on the top of the house and the helicopter comes by. Who's the helicopter going to save? The people that want the help. The people that are raising their hands. And there is nothing wrong with having somebody 
this is how I look at it. If somebody wants to give me a negative attitude or be all mean, especially on Facebook, right? If somebody doesn't like one of my posts, I just block them. Like I'm, why am I going to waste my time and energy on them? They obviously have their own deal, whether it has nothing to do with you. We all think that it does. That's what makes us defensive, but it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with them, bad experience that they had. I mean, there was one guy that like his, his like under, you know, like you see their name on Facebook and then under it, it was like shade thrower and shit talker. And I was like, <laughs> That's I bet you're, you're yeah, I, I bet you're good at life. Goodbye. <laughs> like, I mean, you know what? If that's what he wants to do, more power to him. Like, cool. I don't want him in my life. Like, I don't want him in my circle of friends. I don't want him influencing me. I don't want him commenting on my stuff. I can't save him. There's, in every market, there's cold, warm, and hot, right? Whether those are people who like you, people who will buy from you, whatever you want to look at. Don't focus on the cold people. Focus on the hot people first. The people that agree with you, know, like, and trust you. Once you exhaust that, move to warm. But so many people, especially in digital marketing, want to start with the cold. Start with the warm people. Start with the hot people because those are the people that know, like, and trust you already. They're going to buy from you. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Great perspective. Great perspective. Is there anything I should have asked you? Man, we covered a ton. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. The, I mean, you know this already. The easiest possible way if you're just getting started, in my opinion, is to go speak at local events. Um, it's easier than doing anything online. So many people, the, the number one call that I get is, hey, Steve, it's two weeks before our event or it's three weeks till our event. We have room for 100 people and we have four people registered or we have eight people registered. What do I do? <laughs> and at that point, I say, well, do the best you can for those eight people. Um, I'll give you, Roy, I'll give you a tip. I know you said you had the, all those people registered. Uh -huh. If you have people registered, if you insist on doing a free event, which I don't think you should do, call those people a week to 10 days out before the event mm -hmm. to give them a little bit of value. Schedule a 15-minute Zoom call, give them a little bit of value, yeah. and get their commitment to show up. Nobody does that because they don't want to get on the phone, but yeah. they, it will get people to the event because they're like, no, nobody cares, right? Make it all about them. I know you get this. Hey, you know, hey, Bill, um, I know you are coming to my event on digital marketing. You're probably looking at how to grow your business. What's the number one thing that I can do to help you at this event? And then they're going to bleh all over you, which is great. And then you're like, cool, man, that is exactly what we're going to solve. I don't have time to get into it all on this call, but I can tell you we're definitely going to deal with that at the event. Do you think that guy's going to show up? Yes. A hundred percent. Um, that's, that's something that anybody can do. Um, getting on other people's stages, you have to design the talk, just follow the framework, tell stories, do what Roy said, call the meeting planners because that no one's doing that. Yeah. If you do that, you will get on some local stages. You got rotary, you got BNI, um, you have tons of meetup groups, just start reaching out. Like, and you're going to get two thirds of the people are going to say no to you, but that's all right. It's the same as baseball. If you're batting 33, 333% and you're going to knock it out of the park. Thank you, man. Thank you. That was awesome. We learned to connect. We learned to make sure we call people. We learned how to bring in leads. He gave thousands of dollars worth of value on how to bring in leads, how to close rooms, 
I took notes. Um, Steve, how can um, my audience follow you? Just so you know, we're big on IG, really big on IG. Um, how can they follow you on all the platforms? Sure. So uh, believe it or not, I don't have anything on Instagram. Um, I'm, I do Facebook. Um, Facebook, it's Steven Werner. You'll find me. I'm wearing a pink shirt. Uh, it's monetize. Your tribe is my business. Mm -hmm. If you go to myt.how, I have a completely free course. Uh, it's about a 30-minute video course. It's broken down into five videos that will kind of walk you through a little bit more in depth than what we went through here. There's also a field there that will ask you for your physical address. I love high-touch stuff. Um, I do a print newsletter every month. It's completely free. There's no cost for it. It will show up to your door um, usually around the fifth of the month. And I, it's just straight up value. Like I just love to connect with people. So go to myt.how. That will get you on my mailing list and uh, connect with me on Facebook. All right. Perfect, man. Perfect. All right, you guys. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Success Code. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Until next time, and always remember to be yourself. Peace.